going to make an assumption and you tell me if I'm wrong. You feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I know it's true. There are always too many things to do and too little time. If you're like me, your boss will walk down the hallway and shout, go home, Beltran. That's why I am telling everyone about the 40-hour workweek with Angela Watson. Angela was a guest on this very podcast back in season one, and she shared her ideas for managing your time, teaching, and stuff to help you make the most of your time at work while making time for home too. But that was just the beginning. In her membership, The 40-Hour Workweek, Angela helps you focus on what matters to have a purposeful and productive workday and then go home. Angela helps teachers find, on average, 11 hours a week that they can take back for themselves while still being a great teacher. The best part is that Angela has a new membership, especially for coaches. She partnered with my friend and coffee buddy, Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching, to create the 40-hour work week for coaches. Check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40-hour week and get your time back. Coach, are you feeling like your teachers are just not interested in your support? Have you struggled to get into classrooms and impact positive change? Do your teachers turn the other way when they see you coming and put you off over and over again when you offer to visit their classrooms? So many coaches face these problems and they all revolve around one thing, the culture of coaching. If your school doesn't have a coaching culture, it can feel like you're bending over backwards to please everyone while actually accomplishing nothing. This summer, my favorite annual event, the Simply Coaching Summit, is all about building a coaching culture at your school. This online conference for instructional coaches is on July 11th, 12th, and 13th, and it will give you everything you need to change your school one step at a time. The summit is three days of keynotes, live workshops, pre-recorded sessions, and live meetups. I'm giving a keynote about how getting curious can change the culture of your school, but there is so much more to the summit that you have to see it for yourself. Head to buzzingwithmissb.com summit to save your spot. The best part is that you have six months to watch the videos. So if your summer plans didn't include some cozy PD at home on the couch, you can watch them when you're back to school. See you at the summit 2022. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coach, welcome to episode 106 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Today we are continuing our series about a place for everyone. Last week we talked to a math coach, just in case some of you are math coaches at heart and didn't know it yet. And today I'm talking with a technology coach. Now I know many instructional coaches have felt like technology coaches since the onset of COVID. So many coaches spent a lot of their time supporting teachers in troubleshooting and figuring out how to best work with students via technology, as well as providing PD virtually in many cases. But a true technology coach is invested in this 24-7 all of the time. So because of that, I cannot wait to talk to our guest tech coach today, Italy Wallace. So let's welcome Italy to the podcast. Welcome. Hey, how are you? Nice to be here. Oh, thank you. I'm good today. I'm excited for our chat about technology coaching. Um, I know that so many coaches have done so much work with technology, but to actually be a technology coach is, I think, such a great position because there's so much 
the world's your oyster. There's so much amazing stuff out there now that you can help teachers integrate. So I'm really looking forward to hearing um, a little bit about what you do. Absolutely. So to get us started, can you introduce yourself to whoever's listening today, uh, talk a little bit about who you are, how you ended up here, and what kind of work you're focusing on right now? Absolutely. So um, my name is Italy Wallace, as Christy shared before. Um, this is my 15th year in education, which is so crazy if you think about it. I you know, still feel like my first year of teaching and the love and excitement is still there. Um, this is my sixth year as a teacher leader and coach. Um, I've held multiple roles. I've been an ELA coach, um, an instructional specialist, currently an instructional technology coach, so lots of leadership positions. Um, currently, I work as an instructional technology coach for a third through fifth grade building in northern Chicagoland area. Go Bears! Gotta shout them <laughs> out real quick. Um, and then how did I end up here? That was that's a really good question. Um, I actually thought that I would end up in a principalship by this time mm -hmm. in my life. My daughters are seven and 10. And I thought, oh, I'll be a principal because that's where the real change happens. Um, but after spending some time as an instructional specialist, which is basically part-time coaching, part-time AP, I quickly mm -hmm. learned that school administration was not for me. And the best components of leadership, the coaching is where my heart was. So that's where um, I took the leap and became a coach. And I've been here ever since. And I love it. Truly love it. It is the best job. I totally agree because I, I had some people used to say, well, you should be an administrator. Are you going to go to, you know, administrative school and become the principal? And it just looks awful to me. <laughs> looks like a horrible job. My assistant principal used to say, come on, you would be a great AP. You'd be a great principal. And I'd be like, your job is the worst job on campus. You know what? I think misery loves company. When I think of administration, it's like, come, come with us. And it's like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> You're right. That must be what it is because they're never all that happy. I mean, come on. No, it's true. And no offense to anybody who has gone over to the dark side. I totally get the allure. Like you said, it looks like that's where all the change would happen. And in some schools, maybe it is, but in some schools, it's really not. So I think, you know, you get to be like the boots on the ground when you're the instructional coach, you get to be in those classrooms so much more and you don't deal with so many. I mean, I know a lot of coaches have administrative tasks and I did too, but that's not your main gig and you can push back against it a little bit because that's not your title. Yep, exactly. And it's so nice to be able to say, this is me, this is you, and be able to just do the good parts of the job. Being an AP, I, you know, worked with students and it was really hard to be the bad guy all the time. And then I was yeah. evaluating teachers, but then the other part of my job was like, go and coach them and empower them and make them great. And it's like, ah, I just had to discipline a teacher and now I'm supposed to make her great. So very difficult. So I agree with you. Thank you for honoring that feeling. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I, and that's a good point too. So many coaches who have that dual role and there are many, that is so hard because coach, you're supposed to build this coaching relationship with a teacher. And how do you do that when you also have to hold them accountable for certain things? Because they don't want to tell you everything because that you, you know, you're also the person that's going to tell them that was bad. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Super tough. It's just like with students. If like I, I used to have a counselor who served as a 
well, they used her as another administrator. I mean, technically they are administrators, you know, here, but still they, she was used for discipline. So mm-hmm. she was given referrals to kids and that kid did not want to open up to her. So that's whenever coaches are put in that same position, it makes it really hard to honor a teacher's like confidentiality and for teachers to open up to you whenever you are in the middle like that. That's a tough spot. So I hope it sounds like you're much happier now in your technology coaching role. (laughs) I'm sure it's much more clearly defined because that was probably pretty hairy. And that's kind of what my first question is. What does a technology coach do? You know, where does your time go? Do you have a typical day or is there no typical day? I mean, everybody says there's no typical day, but you know, are there things that happen frequently or, you know, what does your job look like basically? That is a really great question. So um, as a tech coach, my responsibility is to empower and inspire educators to integrate technology into their instruction um, with the main goal of ensuring like equitable ed tech. So in short, that means kind of like where curriculum meets digital tools and strategies in order to support all learners, our diverse learners, bridging the gap between our historically underserviced students, enriching or accelerating learning for experiences or students who are high achieving, just ensuring that we are closing the gap on either side. And then in regards to my time, it's really, really difficult to kind of spread myself, but I try to follow the three E's, which my district has um, adopted as their vision, which would be equip, explore and empower um yes so I love it right it's like easy it's like three e's Mm -hmm. it's a vision you can't forget it it's not lengthy um so with equipping that basically means making sure that teachers have the tools to be successful whether that's programs or software or devices or even the knowledge that they feel confident in the classroom And then exploring would be giving the teachers the space and grace to kind of try new tools um, or use different devices in new ways, just really giving the space. And then empowering would be more like advocating for teachers, honoring their expertise, providing experiences for them to share their knowledge and really building like leaders in tech. And then um, as you probably know, um, there's no typical day per se, because every day is different. You have different teachers booking you, different personalities. Um, Currently, I'm working on Illinois' um, state testing. So really, the next week or so is devoted to that. But when it is a normal day and time, I try to incorporate certain things. So um, I'll start out in the morning by dropping my littles off at school, and I listen to a podcast. Um, I usually call that my PD in the car, and they're like, mm-hmm. Mom, again, another podcast. <laughs> We'd rather listen to kids, Bob. Um, <laughs> they don't like, but it works. <laughs> You're building then, background knowledge for them. It's great. <laughs> they need it. One of yeah. them will be a teacher. The odds are in my favor. Right. <laughs> And then um, I usually try to start out with morning rounds. And this is something that I've adopted currently. And it's just my way of connecting with teachers in general, but especially those teachers that may not always book me or I don't always see them for whatever reason, PE teachers, specialists, um, teachers that are like, I do not want to see that lady. Um, (laughs) And then I can address like little tech issues like, oh, my iPad is dead or the screen is frozen. Um, which is super helpful because 
Um, it gives me a chance to like interact with students. So, and after that, I roll into coaching cycles depending on the day. And then, um, yeah, a little bit of planning and development. Um, and then usually my day is over. So it's different every day. That's great. You know, I love that you described those three E's too, because I'm picturing you know, the description of your role to teachers, because that's so important and something that many schools and districts don't tackle proactively. And if your teachers know that that's your role, that it's very, you know, it's clear, this is what I'm here to do. How great to have that aligned vision. Is that aligned across all campuses? Everybody does that? Yes. And I love the fact that you use aligned because it really is like a continuum, right? Like we began or the district began eight years ago, just with the providing of tools, equipping mm -hmm. teachers. And now eight years later, we're really in that area of empowering them. Like you've had it for eight years, you know how to use it. We've mm -hmm. given you time to explore even virtually. And now we're empowering you to take it and, you know, embrace the digital ecosystem and, and just be great. You know, I love it. That's great. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point too with with building because we want to throw things out at teachers and then suddenly be at this very high level of implementation. And that's not realistic. It's just too much for teachers. They get so much thrown at them all the time and they can't get good at everything right away. No, nope. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah. So is it difficult for you now? And you kind of started to talk about this maybe a little bit, but it's to work on the really good stuff as a tech coach, or do you find, because if teachers are thinking that your role is more about the equipping part <laughs> and, or like tech support, problem solving, troubleshooting, do you find teachers are confused about that? Or do they tend, do you actually get to do the really great stuff? So thank you again for honoring that, <laughs> you know, just coaching in general, I think has different meaning in every district. And it's really hard to make a universal understanding. I think that districts mm -hmm. have the intentions of having this universal um, understanding, but different things um, affect different situations. We may need you to take on more administrative roles here. We may leave you to just coaching here. So it really depends. For me personally, um, I have found that there can be a slight disconnect between um, the district vision and what teachers see you or your mm -hmm. role as. Um, I have a tendency to um, jump around. I think that different learning experiences help me grow. So I've been in a couple different districts and um, if I replace someone, teachers will expect me to do exactly what that mm -hmm. teacher did before me. Mm -hmm. um, or I'll go to a district and maybe their philosophy is different or um, if I'm replacing like a tech teacher, they're expecting me to come in and do something techy in their classroom. And that makes it really hard because being a coach, you're really trying to help transfer the knowledge. You really want them to take ownership of the work and the progress. And when you're asked to come in and do something techy, that's all on me. And there's not really this transferring of knowledge. Sometimes the teachers will say, oh, that was awesome. I'm gonna try with my students. But many times you get stuck in that in that position, in that role as the techie person. And you're techie, I'm not. Mm -hmm. So you can get stuck doing some of the good work. Um, but I think just with branding, I think with wording, um, and I think with just constant exposure, you know, constantly promoting who you are, what you do, um, 
being really clear on your services. On my booking system, I'm really clear on what you can book me for. And I try to stick to that. I'm also super lucky to have an amazing partner in my current district who is the um, tech specialist. And she is solely responsible for tech, hardware, software issues, which leaves me to the instructional portion. And she's not a teacher. She's not a certified educator, so she really can't do my job, and I try not to do her job. I try to do very little. I try to know just enough that if there's an issue, I can, like, work my way through. But, um, yeah, I, I do think it's kind of hard, and, you know, we just have to keep rebranding and keep pushing for what this role is truly supposed to be, and that is um, a place to empower teachers and help them to take ownership and transfer the knowledge. Yes. Yes. That's perfect. Do you, what kinds of things can teachers book you for? So teachers can book me for a tech drive. That's something that I um, came up with this year. And that's basically an opportunity. Um, I think of it as kind of like a test drive. Like when you're at a car dealership, you get in the car and you're like, I'm going to take it on the road and you're going to sit here and tell me all the features. And that's exactly what teachers do. Like they sit in the driver's seat because I really do believe that technology is a vehicle, right? It should not be, it should not replace the curriculum. It is just a vehicle for getting to a new destination and they are in the driver's seat. So for instance, if we were using Nearpod, this is not a plug, but if we were using (laughs) Nearpod, they would dive in and I would kind of tell them the features, but from the sidelines so that they were actually manipulating the tool. You know, if you wanted to try an assessment or if you wanted to present here, um, teachers really are hands-on and and really diving in. So that's one thing that they can book me for. Um, Obviously coaching cycles, they can book me for, they can book me for um, lunch and learns where I could come in and do like a little lesson for like your grade level team, one-on-one sessions. So there's, there's a bunch of different categories, but I try not to say like, I'll come in and fix your smart board or I'll Mm -hmm. come in and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, do an update for your entire classroom or even prescribed lessons. I do very little prescribed lessons because then they want you to commit to that every year. Mm -hmm. So it has to be an overall need that I'm seeing like, oh, every student is um, misusing email. I have to get in the classrooms and help teachers help students. Um, So I try to steer away from those few areas. I love that tech drive idea. That's really cute. (laughs) that's really neat (laughs) so what kinds of schooling or training did you find best prepared you for this role so I have to be honest (laughs) I do not have a degree um, specialized in technology that just wasn't um, something that was even available when I got my master's degree as Mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier I went and got my um, school leadership with a principal endorsement. And that's pretty much my higher education outside of my ESL endorsement. Mm-hmm. So I really had to seek out other opportunities. Um, I do have my Google level one and Google level two certification, and I'm working on Google coach. Um, this summer, I plan on knocking out the Apple certification, which is probably something I should have started knowing that I'm in an Apple district a little earlier. And then um, I'm currently working on my ISTE certification, which is incredible. My cohort had um, 
teachers from across the world. Um, I have an amazing partner that is from Africa and it's so nice to hear their perspective and the way that they use technology. And I think that that is incredible, like literally a PLN that, you know, allows you to grow and allows you to help other teachers grow. So that's the extent of my um, certification, but I think more than anything, teachers or future coaches need to be curious, you know, have that strong desire to learn because technology is not static. It is ever changing. Literally, it changes every day. You notice it with your, you know, phones. Well, there's another update. And then the willingness to just keep learning and adapting to change. Like, that's more important than I think any degree or certification um, would be just that curiosity component. I totally agree. That, you know, what you're saying about the technology degree, so many people I know do have technology masters. And I kind of feel like it's they're, they're, the, everything they, le- they learned is like obsolete at this point. Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, it changes so quickly. How much, I mean, how much value is that going to have 10 or 15 years down the road? But those certification courses are going to be helpful. You playing with technology, using it with your own students, trying things out, going into people's classrooms and saying, hey, can, can we try a lesson integrating this tool and see what it's like if you're a coach in a different area? Those kinds of things can be probably more supportive. Yeah, I totally get that. So how much technical knowledge do you think you should have to start out as a technology coach? So I really think that it depends on the school district. As I mentioned earlier, my my current school district, we have a tech coach and a tech specialist in the same building. So teachers are not waiting or putting in tickets and hoping that the help desk gets back to them. Mm -hmm. She is literally in, like we share an office together, which is great. And I think that every tech program should have that because Mm -hmm. as a tech coach, you can get pulled in so many directions. Like I want you to come in and support me, but my smart board is broken. So we can't do the activity. So can you fix that first? and then maybe we can get to coaching, mm-hmm. it can become an issue. So I have basic technology um, skills. I know the software programs for the instructional needs. So I can figure out how to input students into um, our reading program or how to navigate Seesaw from an instructional point of view. But my tech specialist is the individual that would come in and delete an app or um, send out an app. She would go and problem solve issues with the smart board and different things like that. So depending on the district, um, that would probably determine where your role would lie. Again, for me, I'm so lucky. I realized that I pretty much get to focus on technology and then I technology instruction. And then I try to sometimes just learn little things. So if she's ever out, I can like maybe manage, but it's really at will, you know, it's whether I want to learn it or not, um, which is nice. Yeah, that's great. We, I knew a um, technology coach. Well, she wasn't, see, this is the difference. She was what you would consider a technology specialist because we did not have technology coaches. And so she did she did do lessons with students, but she didn't do work with teachers, like coaching. She would help you if you had questions, but you know, but she used to tell me, I didn't know anything about technology when I started that job. She says, I just Googled everything. I would just watch YouTube videos. So p- teachers would say, my printer's doing this. And she'd be like, clickety, 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 click. <laughs> Let me figure out how to fix that. And then she'd go in the classroom and follow the directions. And they thought she was a genius. <laughs> it's that Google. <laughs> <laughs> 
love it. So what I would love to know is how you track the effectiveness or impact of your coaching, because that's such an elusive thing to do. So I'd really love to hear like how you've figured out how to do that. So I haven't figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) Completely. It's an ongoing process, right? But I love how confident you were in me. So thank you. Um, I do have a couple different uh, strategies that I try to use. So because the teachers are my learners, I definitely ask for feedback and I try to send out quarterly surveys and ask them, how is coaching going? Um, what if any changes need to be made? And then the most important component of that survey um, would have to be for those teachers that haven't booked me yet. I really ask like, what's the holdup? You know, what needs to happen for us to work together? Um, would you be willing to have me come in and model a lesson? Would you like to participate in a tech drive? So really trying to engage where they are because their reasons for not working with me, you know, could spanned all over the place. I don't have enough time or, you know, I'm a specialist PE teacher. I wasn't sure if I could book you. So really trying to see um, what is holding them back from engaging with me. And then I keep a really detailed coaching log. I actually use a Google spreadsheet and I put in graphs and when I enter in a teacher and what I'm working on them with and follow up, it kind of populates um, how many teachers I've worked with versus which teachers booking me the most. And I really look at that data and say, all right, this month I worked a lot with Sarah. I'm going to see um, if Sarah's willing to possibly partner with me on introducing Padlet or some other amazing tool. And then I'll look and say, oh, I didn't touch base with Cynthia this month. How can I maybe engage her in an activity? So that has been super helpful for me. Um, and I just duplicate it for each month and I just look at the graphs monthly. And then last, I really look for a transfer of knowledge. When I come into a classroom and I introduce a tool or I partner with a teacher, are they taking what we've done together and continuing it with their students? Mm-hmm. And that is a huge um component for me to determine my impact and effectiveness because that's what we want. We want teachers to uh, duplicate, replicate, change, borrow, steal that tool and, and turn it into a, something that they can use with their students, not just the way that I introduced it. So that's really how I gauge effectiveness. And um, it's, it's been working. I'm definitely open to other ideas. Um, so Chrissy, if you have some strategies, please share. <laughs> You know, I love, before we, before I share one idea that I do have, um, I love that tracking log that you described where you have the, when you sort it by teacher, that is such a good idea because people can slip through the cracks. (laughs) It sure can. I'll definitely share with you after um, our time together. It's, it's pretty impactful for sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's beautiful. I, one thing that I have seen done with technology specifically is teachers were given a rubric at several different times during the year, and they had to evaluate their own technology use in the classroom. So then they would say, okay, like, you know, sometimes like the lowest level of technology use is like, okay, I'm going to stick my kid on this program on, on a computer in a corner. Right. So do you do this? Okay. That's a, that's a level one or, you know, then level two is maybe I use technology, for technology's sake, but I don't really know how to teach content with it. You know, sometimes they're like, let's do this activity, but they don't really know how to teach what they were already going to teach using one of those tools. Then maybe it says, I, you know, I know how to use, 
um, two to three different tools in my classroom and I feel comfortable teaching, you know, different content areas with it or something. So that the, there was a rubric with probably five or six different components on it that our district used to send out, maybe even more. And we had to do it every year because they would, they were justifying purchases through that and saying, okay, if teachers are not using this kind of technology, we're not going to invest in that. We're going to invest in something else. Or if teachers feel like, oh, well, the reason I don't do this is because I don't have enough of X, Y, Z, then we can invest in that area. <clears throat> and then they also were justifying personnel and, you know, how many people do we need that? Like what person personnel do we need on each campus if teachers are not actually using this stuff? Is it being effective or not? So that was kind of scary, but that's, that's if you do it yourself, you know, you can structure it to kind of see what teachers are doing in their own classrooms, how they view their technology use, because maybe they feel like, well, I'm not asking for, I don't need any support in technology. I already, I'm, I'm doing it, you know, I'm at all this level and I do all these things, but sometimes even just taking that little, that rubric and scoring myself, I would go, oh, you know, I could be doing that. And I hadn't thought about it. So it, that's a nice way to get people to see, well, there could be more different, something different that you could be doing. You could even give them like different tools and they could score their own comfort level on it. And then you can do that a few times a year and see if there's been growth. Mm, that is a game changer, especially <laughs> with trying to support this culture of reflection, right? Mm -hmm. It's light, it's airy. It's just saying, Hey, how do you rate yourself? Not the coach coming in and rating you that I love that idea. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> so what are some of the biggest challenges that you face in your coaching work and specifically about technology? So prior to the pandemic, I would have to say fear of tech. Um, tech is scary. You know, tech is unpredictable. It's ever changing. Um, teachers like things to work. <laughs> Sometimes technology does not work or it starts working and it fails mid-lesson. And then teachers like predictability, right? Especially when they put all of this time and effort into lesson planning. They just want it to be successful. Um, Post-pandemic, I think teacher exhaustion. Mm. Teachers are tired, they're frustrated. Many of them have resorted back to, you know, doing things the way we used to. Um, and tech requires being vulnerable. And most teachers right now, do not have the mindset or the willingness to do that. They're in survival mode. And that is me truly honoring the space that teachers are in right now. Um, so I would say that those two are my biggest issues. And how do we rebrand coaching and support? How do we get teachers back in the mindset of wanting to learn and grow and not just feeling overwhelmed and in balancing, you know, COVID restrictions and, close contacts and being back in the classroom and I had to leave my children at home. It's, it's a lot. So I think my main focus next year is really going to be rebranding and thinking of bite-sized opportunities and making things uh, more digestible and easily accessible so that teachers can actually work themselves back into um, that learner mode, if that makes sense. Yes, that's a great idea. Like micro coaching cycles, really little things that they can implement that don't take like two weeks or something to go through. Yeah, that's a great idea. And, you know, folk rebranding really think, I like that, the word that you use, really thinking about 
how we can say, you're already doing this. Let's just put this in there. It's something you're already going to do. This is not one more thing. You can just try to teach it in this way instead, you know, tackling something that they're already going to be working with. And that might be real. That's probably a really good idea. I love that. What a great goal. Thank you. Yeah. Cause I just, I see tech not only helping to bridge gaps, but really to um, enhance teachers day-to-day lives, right? Like us being thrust into the pandemic, teachers started assessing students online, but then they noticed, oh, my students do worse online when they take an, an exam than when it's on paper pencil. But it's really just the idea of practicing, right? Like we need to practice what it feels like to take an online exam and then think about the three times a year that we take this state exam, right? Like maybe our scores are low because they haven't practiced taking assessments online. So really using technology to not only support students, but to support teachers. We spend so much time grading and we can take it down to minutes by using online programs. So yes, I have lots of plans to hopefully help and support teachers. That's so true. I love everything you're saying because you teach, I remember the, the district used to tell us because they moved to online testing. First, they moved to online testing with our special ed students. Mm-hmm. So they, they took that population of kids and put them online and they said, well, no, the problem is not the computer. If the kids are going to be, or the kids struggle on their tests, it's because they, str- they would have struggled anyway. The problem is not the computer. The problem is they don't know it. And I was like, no, the problem is they've never tested on the computer and we don't have any sample tests and any practice materials on the computer. So we're just kind of making it up as we go. We don't even know what it's gonna look like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it's it's foreign territory. Yes. It's like, oh, I can play with this little thing that's on the screen, or I can exit out and go to another program and then come back. It We have to teach those skills mm-hmm. so that students can be successful and it takes practice. Yes, absolutely. It takes practice for the teacher too to figure out what do I want my kids to do in this testing environment? Because so many times teachers are like, I mean, I've gotten a lot of requests for support on how to transfer the paper pencil learning they've done all year to an online testing situation. How do I support my kid in doing that? What do I have him do when he's testing on a computer? Because it's it's so over, it's different. They're not going to sit there and underline and, you know, do all the little things. They can, but you know, they're going to be coloring. Like they have to have lots of practice. Just like you would in paper, but people are teachers are not comfortable with it because they don't know how to support that. They just haven't had the experience with it either. So absolutely. Yeah, that's such a, a big issue that people on the top sometimes overlook because they don't remember how much support children need. It's just like a bubble sheet. If you give a kid a scantron, the first time you give them a scantron. <laughs> stars and circles. <laughs> exactly. Yes, it's the same thing. I mean, you have to teach them how to take the test. And I'm not saying teach to the test. I'm saying literally the process of taking a test is a special thing children have to learn how to do. 100%. So if a coach is starting out as a technology coach, and this is a new role to their district or campus, like let's say this coming school year, they're going to start out, move into a technology coaching role. What are the most essential things that they need to do right away? Mm. I would say start with your why. Why do you wanna be a tech coach? Why is tech integration important to you? And I put this at the top because I think working with adults can be hard. We think that the transition is gonna be easy. I've had a classroom full of 30 students, fifth graders, there's, I mean, teachers just have to be easier. And in some cases, 
It can be. And you think, oh, well, we're one-on-one, but really teachers have voice and choice and they know how to use it. Like They will straight up tell you, I'm not going to do that and won't even think twice. And we love that, right? We love that they have autonomy, that they are advocating for themselves, but you have to then learn, you know, adult learning theory and how to motivate teachers and how to show them that whatever you are introducing or teaching or facilitating is worth their while. Kind of like, you know, using digital tools to automate different things in the classroom. This is going to be a time saver for you, Mm -hmm. which I think we have to again, rebrand. And then next I would say, do your research. And I say that for tech coaches, for instructional coaches, for anyone, really sit down and do your research. Start with social media, follow some tech and instructional coaches, join some Facebook groups, see the conversations, ask questions. I see a lot of soon to be or um, inspiring tech coaches or coaches in general, really asking questions like, I'm thinking about becoming a tech coach or blah, blah, blah. What do I need to do? On the flip side, I see a lot of coaches currently saying, I've been a coach for a year and I've decided to go back to the classroom. And I think that it's because of a lack of um, research. We think that this is a cush position, that it's so fun. You get to walk around, um, you're supporting teachers, you're the fun person that does techie things. And they really don't understand what else comes in there. You have to facilitate PDs in front of your entire school or possibly an entire school district. You have to be able to work with multiple principals if you're a district coach and like being able to support their focus for their building and their teachers. Working with a wide range of teachers that range from, you know, very vocal to the fence sitter to I just sit back and do whatever you tell me to do. Um, and that's really, it's, it's differentiating like you would with your student, with your students, but with adults. And it just happens to be a little harder. Um, I would also say stock school district websites. So many school districts put so much information about the different programs that they have, instructional coaching programs, technology coaching programs, and really look and see like what the role is. And then, um, Look for job descriptions. What does the job entail? Even if you're not ready to look for a job, just Google instructional technology coaching jobs and tons of job descriptions will come up. Look at the similarities, look at the differences, determine what parts of that job you are ready for, what parts of the job you need more training or opportunities to learn. And then what parts of the job are you really not feeling? Because that's going to be a part of the job. They're telling you in the job description. Um, and then if possible, visit, you know, contact a neighboring school district and say, hey, I'm a, you know, a teacher. I really would love in, to come and job shadow you and see what tech coaches do or even meet up in a Zoom and kind of talk about, you know, what does your job entail? Listen to podcasts, um, lots of different things, but do the research, find out what the job is before you take the leap. That is such good advice. And it's hard to envision what it will be like before you have the job. <laughs> um, but at least, you know, I really love the job description tip. That's such a good idea because they probably tack all kinds of things onto technology coaching jobs. <laughs> I can remember sitting in an interview to become an instructional coach. And I remember asking what other kinds of responsibilities are you going to like, is, are the, is, does a coach normally do at this school? Because every school is a little different. 
And they told me, well, you would be the, the, or the pass coach for the GT coordinator and they ran the GT camps and they did all this other stuff. And I had done that as a teacher. I was a GT coordinator and it was a lot of work and I did not like it. And you have to test all the kids. And I, it was just terrible. And I said, well, I wanted to say, yeah, I'm not going to do that. As I just said, <laughs> I said, I feel like if that were a responsibility I had, it would really pull me from the work of, of coaching. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much time it would take, but I, I, well, I know it, it had taken me a lot of time and I think you're asking for even more things. So I don't think that would really be a good role for the coach if I were to accept this position. And then they didn't make me do it. Oh. <laughs> they hired me and they didn't make me do it. So oh, yeah, it can't hurt to ask. <laughs> Voice, voice and choice, right? I mean, say what you'll do and what you envision and mm-hmm. sometimes they're willing to pivot. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, it can't hurt. I mean, it was it was one of those, well, if I get the job, great. And if not, I wasn't looking for it anyway, it just landed in my lap. So, you, you know, and then it worked out. <laughs> so, so if coaches are interested in transitioning to this role, what can they do? So like they're already a coach and then they're listening to this series of episodes about different coaching positions. And they're like, that's the kind of coaching that I want to do. What can they do? I would say um, two things, time and experience. And when I say time, I'm thinking start dabbling with tech, utilize all the resources that you have in your district. If you have iPads, start fiddling with the iPads. If you have Chromebooks, start fiddling with the Chromebooks. If you have smart boards, start playing with smart boards. Um, And it's not necessarily so that you can become an expert, but really so that you can become fluent, right? Mm -hmm. Because as you are moving into a tech coaching role, you're going to be expected to deliver PDs, to support teachers during PLC, to work with teachers one-on-one. And you need to be able to have the knowledge to do that. Um, And then experience. I think that um, so many coaches come in and we kind of wait for direction and instruction from the district. And many times they don't have the answer. So getting out there and getting the experience. I went have gone to a ton of Elena Aguilar conferences, gym nights. Um, I've gone to different coaching summits, listen to your podcast. And it's really building my capacity. And then I take what I learn and I go and play in classrooms. Hey, I learned about this new tool. Do you mind if I come in and play with it in your classroom? This helps build that fluency. And what you're learning, you can then put into your resume and your portfolio. Um, I would also say start attending some conferences. There are some amazing conferences. So idea conference, I'm not sure if that's solely um, an Illinois thing, but the IDEA conference is huge and great and a space for teachers and tech directors and tech coaches to come and learn about tech. And then there's the ISTE conference, which is huge. It's nationwide. So many different people can come and you meet and you learn. And it's not just tech coaches. It's not just directors. It's teachers that are eager to enhance their classrooms and give their students different learning opportunities. And then I have to put this plug out there. If there's a funding issue, please, please, please start um, utilizing Donors Choose. So many people forget that Donors Choose has that PD option. We go in there and we ask for iPads. We go in there and we ask for centers and stations, but we do not ask for PD. They will give you up to, I believe, $2,000, depending on the PD or conference. They'll pay for your hotel. They'll pay for your air flight. Um, 
which is incredible. And so many teachers are just um, not taking advantage of that opportunity because it, you know, it, it's work. It's a lot of work. It's added work, but I think it is so worth it for you to just get out there and connect and network with other teachers and coaches so that you can get that experience and spend time, you know, just dabbling. I know that was a lot, but I'm so passionate about, (laughs) you know, people. I, I truly think that instruction is important, but instruction can be so, you know, static, right? We get a, a reading program and we work with this reading program and, and we keep it for years and how do we enhance it and, and make it fit the new generation of students that we get. And I really think that technology is that vehicle. I would love to see instructional coaches having a tech um, route in there because then you're able to enhance, you know, the instruction that you're already doing. So I'm very passionate about that and just introducing more technology in a healthy, you know, way. I love it. That was great. (laughs) So if people want to learn more, is there anywhere that they can find you online or in the real world? Absolutely. So I am on Instagram at inspired by coaching. And then I have a Twitter that is inspired by coach because I couldn't put the ING. They limit your, your name. And then if you ever want to connect via email or exchange information, you can find me at inspired by coaching at gmail.com. I love it. Thank you so much for being here today. This was so great. Absolutely. Thank you again. I I love your content. Buzzing with Miss V is a staple and I am so honored to join you. Oh, that's so kind. Well, we're honored to have you. Oh my goodness. I feel like I want Italy to come technology coach me. (laughs) Don't you feel like she approaches her work with a joy and a passion and an excitement that must rub off on teachers? What a great model for us. It's beautiful. Um, If you're interested in learning a little bit more about some of the things that we talked about today, in episode 92, we talked with Michael Singletary from Principal Teacher Co. about lessons that are learned from, that we've learned from virtual teaching that we can now apply in in in-person learning. And that's one of the things that Italy mentioned that so many teachers are kind of like dumping the knowledge that they learned from that time because they're just tired and overwhelmed. But if we can help them access what they've learned and, and hold on to it and apply it, then we had that, that time wasn't lost. We gained something from all of that horrible experience. Episode 93 is about flipped learning. There, I talked to the teach, teaching touch of Argentina. That's um, Belu and G. And we talk about how you can flip your classroom and how you can support teachers who are flipping their classrooms. And in episode 94, I share about my favorite five tech tools. And uh, you can actually grab a free handout there too from episode 94. If you go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 106, I'll drop that here. My five favorite tech tools will go in the show notes for this episode. Another resource that might be helpful is something that we talked about today. We talked about using surveys and forms to get input from teachers to help you frame your coaching work. And I think that's so valuable that I actually created a resource in my Teachers Pay Teachers store for you. You can grab it if you go to teacherspayteachers.com and go to my store, Chrissy Beltron or Buzzing with Miss B. And it's called Teacher Feedback Surveys for Instructional Coaching. It includes printable forms and Google Forms. And some of the surveys included are a coaching support survey, technology survey, science, math, literacy surveys, uh, check-in forms, needs and wants, 
teacher interest surveys, post coaching cycle surveys. There's about 19 different surveys that are printable and Google Forms, and then some that are actually editable forms that you can fill in um, if you use Adobe Reader. So you can grab that resource in my TPT store to help you start collecting feedback from teachers to frame your coaching work. Next week, we're hearing from another coach in the field as they share their experience as an SEL coach, a social emotional learning coach. I'm really excited for this episode because SEL is something so many teachers are trying to adopt, but they don't always have the tools or the support that they need to do it. So can you imagine having a coach just for that, to focus on that? Join me next week to learn more. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.